Let's get back to them today. I think we're gonna do a great job. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Modern Man Podcast, where we connect men in pursuit of their potential. Join us as we embrace discomfort, cultivate community, and put wind in each other's sails. And if you're ready to take your personal and professional growth to the next level, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And don't forget to check out the Noble Knights Mastermind Group, where you'll find the support and accountability and the mentorship you need to achieve your goals. Join us and become a part of a community of like-minded men on a mission to improve themselves and elevate their capacity for life. And I'm excited to get some wind in our sails today for my guest, best-selling author, speaker, Michael O'Brien, joining us on the podcast. Michael, thank you for being on. Ted, brother, good to see you. Thanks for having me on. I can't wait to get into it with you and share a little wisdom and go back and forth. So again, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, it's it's an absolute pleasure, and I know there's going to be a lot to be sh shared, but first, uh, I want to make sure you have an opportunity to get acquainted with the audience, so take the mic, take the show, and let them know who you are, what you do, we can kind of jump into today's topic. All right, so I have to start here. I'm a husband, 30 years come May of 2024. Nice, let's go. I met my best friend in Washington, D.C. in a personal ad before <laughs> there was any apps no dating apps. It was like back of the city paper in DC. I'm a girl dad times two. Um, so I'm almost an empty nester. I'm a vegetarian endurance athlete. You've already mentioned I'm a speaker and executive coach and all that jazz. I'm a meditation teacher. Mm -hmm. I'm a best friend. I'm a son and I try to be a warm heart hearted human. I so love that. That's a little bit about me. It's fantastic to have you on. Um, there's so many things I want to ask about how you introduced yourself. I love it. I'm going to throw my notes out the window. <laughs> the journey to where you got now, what moment sticks out the most to you? Uh, well, a obviously a common one that mm -hmm. a lot of people ask me about is what I call my last bad day. So it okay. happened in 2001. I was at a company offsite meeting and I got hit head on by a Ford Explorer going 40 miles an hour when, when I was out training on my bike. So I brought my bike mm -hmm. out to this company offsite while the guys, the other guys brought their golf clubs and I was going to get some miles in, in the New Mexico, Mexico air and get some training in and all that jazz. And I broke a whole bunch of everything, Tad, and the doctors told my wife, we're not really sure how your husband survived. Had he been 10 years older or not in shape, he would have died before he got to the hospital. Wow. And I was in the ICU for about four or five days, came out. They told me the extent of my injuries. They predicted a pretty grim picture for me. And my world got turned upside down. We had, We were seven years into our marriage. Our girls were three and a half years old, seven months old, and seven months old. And my identity was shattered. So up to that point, I thought I was following the script that you're supposed to follow. You know, work hard in high school, hopefully work a little bit harder in college, get a gig, mm -hmm. uh, meet someone, marry that someone, start a family, work your way up the corporate ladder, be a provider, all that jazz. And I, I thought I was doing that pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> Although 
I was packing in a lot of stress inside. I, I never really learned how to handle my stress. So what I'd like to say is I put rocks in my backpack. So when something was stressful, I was just like, okay, rock, put it in my backpack. And I was carrying that backpack around with me everywhere I went. And I like to think now, looking back in hindsight, that that SUV knocked the stuffing out of me, but also blew apart my backpack. Yeah. And then I had to rebuild. I had to recreate who, who I was and yeah. really get to know, really get to know who I was um, like from the inside out. And so that, that was the big moment. That was the big moment. And there was a lot of ahas since then. Yeah, no, I, I can imagine. Um, and I've mentioned on the podcast, my, my wife and I, we were expecting our first and my dad, some other men in my life who I seek wisdom from a common, a common thread and a common theme I've noticed from the advice and the wisdom that they're starting to impart upon me has been slow down, slow down. And it's crazy. I hear when you talk about, you know, the Ford hitting you for a lot of guys listening, they, they kind of have their own metaphor in life for that Ford whether it be a health problem that puts them on their butt. For me, it was getting diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, ending up in the hospital. Um, sometimes if we don't slow down, life will slow us down. But our instinct is to, oh, no gas, no all gas, no brakes, right? We, we go from zero to 100 as fast as possible without really kind of learning what that slowdown taught us. And you mentioned all the building blocks coming back. What were those ahas along the way how did you find them and how did you have the wherewithal to kind of, I mean, I don't think you had the choice, unfortunately, to get right back on the gas. So while you were stuck in that brake mode, what did you learn and how has that propelled you forward today? Yeah, such such a great question, Ted, and such great wisdom that you've received from other mentors, other men in your life. Because we are going so, as they say up in Boston, wicked fast. We're going so fast mm -hmm. and we're living life in a reactive way. And we sometimes believe us guys or just us humans that the unpleasant or unexpected stuff that happens to someone else. Like I, you know what, if I hear something bad happening to someone, I have you in my thoughts and prayers. I'm here for you. You know, but the bad stuff happens to other people. It doesn't happen to us until it happens to us. And then we got to figure it out. So I was in the hospital for about four months, uh, many surgeries, a lot of outpatient rehab. I would have stayed in the hospital longer, but I had this burning desire to just find my way back home. I wanted to get home yeah. to the smells of my bedroom and our shower and all that jazz. So there was one bit of advice that was really, really essential. And it was everything is neutral until you label it. This sort of ties back to a Viktor Frankl quote, you know, between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space is your freedom for growth. It, it all ties back to, we got to slow it down. We talked before we hit record as athletes, we know when the game is going way too fast, what do we do? We got to find a way to slow the game down. 
Mm -hmm. So when we're on the pitch or the court or the field, we try to slow it down. And what we use is our breath to slow it down. Like, you know, every time you get knocked down, what does the coach tell you? Uh, catch your breath. Yeah. You know, like you get knocked down and we want to get back up right away. And everyone's, everyone says, no, stay down, catch your breath. Yeah. And the moment that we're living in right now with all that's going on and how quickly life is, let's just say we've been knocked down maybe as a, as a society, as a planet, uh, going through the last, you know, four years with the pandemic. I think we just need to catch our breath. And really, as we get up, and that's part of resilience, as we get up, understand why we got knocked down in the first place, and then determine in a very intentional, thoughtful way, how do we want to go forward? Mm -hmm. Because getting knocked down and then getting back up again without discovering something, well, downstream, you're going to get knocked down again. You're going to keep getting knocked down if you don't learn anything. And so for me, what I learned was the need to slow it down. And that's when I found my gratitude practice. That's when I found my mindfulness practice. I had to change my relationship with stress. I wasn't going to make stress go away because I had a busy corporate career. I was at a high level. It provided for my family. It made me feel good to provide for my family in that way. So the stress was not going to be eliminated. So I had to figure out a way to change my relationship with stress. And that's one of the things that gratitude and mindfulness has helped me do in a very, in a very profound way. I, um, and I've, I've spoken about this with, uh, when I coach clients and when people ask me what I do, I do, I call it a daily discipline and it's it's funny because it literally rewired my brain. They're intentional questions that start with, I get three answers for um, what am I grateful for? Three answers for who do I appreciate? Those are three different answers. So that's six total answers. And then, you know, what special moments have I enjoyed recently? What have I accomplished recently? And I will tell you, Michael, when it says what have I accomplished recently, sometimes on my quote unquote, and I say in air quotes for those that are just listening on my bad days, there goes my video freezing again. Um, on those days, what I achieved was getting out of bed. What I achieved was, you know, you know, keep showing up. And even that makes me feel good. It's like, well, look at that. You, you didn't stay down, but it's wired me to identify my emotions in day in and day out. And that's been helpful. Um, how does how does that play into that mindfulness, into that gratitude for people who might not have a practice like that? Yeah, I think that's a beautiful way to start a gratitude practice. It's just first thing in the morning before you, your head hits the pillow at night, like, hey, what are th three things that we're grateful for? Um, it helps us appreciate what we have because we are somewhat hardwired to pay attention to what we don't have. Mm -hmm. For me in the hospital, it was so easy for me to just sit in my hospital bed or be in my wheelchair and think of all the things I couldn't do anymore or I didn't have anymore. So gratitude helped me shift my perspective around, okay, well, what do you have? Well, you have a pretty awesome, amazing wife and really awesome, amazing kids, and you still have your job and and the list goes on and on. So 
in that moment of neutrality, when my mentor shared that with me, I called the day of my accident, to this day, I still call it this, my last bad day. So there's a parable about the first arrow and second arrow. It's about a warrior who's traveling through the woods. He gets hit by an arrow, doesn't see where the arrow came from, but it's painful. He's hurt. That's the first arrow. So first arrows in life happen. They get they get shot, you know, at us by external factors. The second arrow in this parable is all his rumination. Oh my God, who who shot this arrow at me? I gotta I gotta get back at the person who shot this. This is so unfair. Am I gonna survive? All that, all that self talk rumination. That's the second arrow, and that's the set. That second arrow is the most painful arrow because we add to our pain. So the way I look back on life and I look back on my accident is that that was a moment. That was a big old first arrow moment. <laughs> so the more I would ruminate about it or argue with reality that it shouldn't have happened, but it did, those were all second arrow moments. So I made a determination not to shoot second arrows at myself. Yeah. And I thought if I could could go to bed each night and I had people in my life who I loved and loved me back, like my wife and daughters, how could I chalk up the day fully as a bad one? Mm -hmm. My days are filled with moments. There are bad moments. There are happy moments. There are joyful moments. There are angry moments. But when we get to the end of the day, it's a full complex day. And I wanted to be smarter about how I label the things in my life. So yeah, so gratitude can really help us see our day in a much more comprehensive way. And mindfulness, because it helps with awareness, can help us do the same as well. Balancing the scale a bit, because at the end of the day, people are quick to be like, I got caught in traffic, this happened, that happened, that happened. You remember that automatically. But when you start writing down the other half, you might end up finding that you have three good for every one bad. <laughs> yeah, and, and then, hey, we're alive every like <laughs> like we when we when our feet hit the ground like let's celebrate that like that's not a guarantee there are people all around this planet that go to bed at night and don't wake up the next day yeah <laughs> so if we can feel the our feet hitting the ground in the morning let's celebrate that that means we have another chance at bat we get another crack at this thing and so whatever happened yesterday happened. We can't control that. We can't change that. But we can we can make a determination of how we're going to show up and what kind of ripple we want to put into the world today. Mm -hmm. And so it's not to paint the world in unicorns and rainbows. I don't believe in that. But it is an effort to balance things out, to have some harmony, to have, you know, have the ability to look at life with some nuance and some discernment because it is so awe-inspiring and so complex. The simple thing is just to chalk it up in a binary fashion. It's either good or bad or right or wrong. It's Life is a lot of things. And the more awareness we can bring to it, the more fulfillment and happiness I believe we can experience as we travel through life. Yeah. Well, speaking of traveling through life, I think that's the perfect segue because um, and correct me if I, if I'm wrong, if this happened after the crash, but, um, you know, when it comes to mindfulness and doing 
things in life, right? This is for anybody that's listening who might think that mindfulness and, and gratitude is for being sedentary. But if someone's doing hard things like biking across the country, um, climbing the corporate ladder like you've had, um, uh, leading with care, these things that require uh, a high degree of performance. If iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. But if you're a man and you're alone or listening to this, then who sharpens you? What's going on, guys? Ted Dayton here, host of the Modern Man Podcast, also founder of the Noble Knights Mastermind Group. And I'm just out here encouraging you to find your circle. Maybe you're on a personal growth journey and nobody around you understands the new mentality that you're possessing. That's okay. You can find an online community that will pour into you, will navigate your goals and navigate your obstacles, share their experiences, resources, and more. Join the Noble Knights Mastermind Group and try us out for free to tap into a community of men helping each other scale up and reach their goals. Check out themodernmanpodcast.com. How do you mix the mindfulness in that aspect? And how does mindfulness even enhance the endurance races and, and everything that you do? The mindfulness is like a secret sauce. You know, the, the thing, the funny thing about it is with a lot of top athletes, they're practicing mindful meditation, but they don't speak about it. And, and I think largely, I think a lot of folks think of it as something woo-woo or weak or more feminine or whatever. But for me, like going through the corporate ladder, going up to the C-suite, mindfulness allowed me to change my relationship with stress. So I could meet my stressful moments with more thoughtfulness mm. because any corporate leader, she or he gets paid on the decisions they make. So we want to be as thoughtful as possible. So it was key with my corporate career. It was also key as I rode my bike across the country back in 2022. I was able to withstand the grittier, muddier moments better because my relationship with those tough moments changed. And I got to experience fully all the joyful moments. So mindfulness helped me really to sort of stay in the moment, stay on that pedal stroke and pedal stroke by pedal stroke. You know, people ask me all the time, like, how do you get across the country? I'm like one pedal stroke at a time. And so, you know, and that's, that was my focus. So being able to stay focused on something, have more awareness and then meet the challenging moments with a level of equanimity or calm. So critical when we think about sport. You know, that the athletes, again, as we've just talked about, the athletes that can slow the game down tend to perform better. And when they're really in their sport, they're going to perform better. The athlete that's highly reactive, who's stressed out, will choke and not perform as well. So I think mindfulness can be applied in so many different aspects of life, including parenting which i know you're going to experience soon but yeah. just the ability to be thoughtful because you're going to have moments as a parent where it's stressful and you think the moment's never going to end like will we ever get through the terrible twos or this you know big moment where our child's not sleeping and the thing is all moments too shall pass and mindfulness can help us become better parents as well and and I believe better partners. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Slowing, slowing the game down, building mindfulness. And um, I'm trying to be very, uh, again, to the wisdom of those ahead of me who told me to slow down, I'm trying to be very present, very intentional with my days and with my time and appreciative of the moments that I have that I also know are fleeting. Um, not to be morbid, my dad turns 83 this year and I see him a handful of times a year. And I know that those times are are limited. So each time, even if we're sitting on the couch, not saying anything, I cherish that. I hold on to that. And I, I get to savor the juice a little longer, if you would, because of my ability to sit in that moment. Um, I'm curious as to how the mindfulness practice started for you. This Did the mindfulness start uh, right after the hit while you're in recovery? Um, how did that land into what you you do now? And then we could talk about the importance of being able to pause, breathe, and reflect. Yeah, great question, Ted. So just one note on parenting. They say that the um, the the days are long, but the years are short when it comes to parenting. <laughs> So yeah. just keep that in mind. So savor all those little tiny moments that make the make the days long. So for me, back when I was in the hospital, I was completely overwhelmed. Like I had so many different people giving me all this different advice. And again, I just wanted to get home. I I wanted to, I wanted to rebuild my life. You know, I I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to, we're going to get after this, you know, type A personality with charge. Right. But I was so overwhelmed and, and I went back to little league baseball, you know, one of my coaches, like when things got going back to sport again, when things got a little too quick, it was like, breathe, slow it down. So I did a session, I did a box breathing pattern, which is a simple breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four, hold for four. And I did about five minutes of that. I wheeled myself to a quiet place in the hospital just as a way to like establish a better morning routine so I could approach my rehab with more thoughtfulness, really just get my head on straight because mm -hmm. everything was so crazy. And so that was the start. And I didn't really know anything about mindfulness back then. That was before we have the internet we know today. I knew, but I knew enough to judge it as like, well, this is a little, what is this? Like, this is a little like woo woo. Um, but I was like, I was desperate. I got to try something. I got to like, I got to find a way to get past this feeling of overwhelm. So I did it the first time and it felt good. So I did it again. And then slowly but surely I added sessions throughout the day. Because I'm a big believer in having a good morning routine, but making sure you're weaving your morning routine, the elements of it, the benefits of it into your day. So it becomes the way you live as opposed to just a transactional morning routine that you get through. Yeah. So that's how it started. And then I labeled them pause, breathe, reflect breaks, PBR for sure, because I thought it was being funny. Because in the States, people hear PBR and they think of a particular product. So I was like, <laughs> I need a PBR break. And then everyone would laugh and I would laugh. And, you know, that would be the end of it, right? I would just <laughs> do my thing. But for me, the reflect piece is key. Pausing, breathing, and reflecting is an action. So there's a lot of, obviously, a lot of great meditation 
companies out there, meditation apps, and their titles are not necessarily about taking some type of action. And so for me, that reflect piece is like after you've hit pause, after you've connected with your breath and slowed everything down, now I'm inviting you to reflect. It's a practice of gratitude. It's like, it's also, what do I want to say and do next? How do I want to go into my next moment with a little bit more thoughtfulness so I can be intentional? And so that action part of reflect is key because that's going to, to determine what kind of ripple you're going to put into the world, whether you're at home with your kids, with your partner at work, getting after your hobby, whatever it might be. So I think mindfulness can help us become more thoughtful. And when we're more thoughtful, we can make a greater impact. How would you advise someone to get started? Um, How much time do you dedicate? I know you mentioned, hey, five minutes box breathing. What other techniques? I've heard of, is it the physiological sigh? I think that's a a Huberman thing. Yeah, Um, Huberman. uh, There's a Stanford study on the uh, cyclic sighing, which is basically taking a breath in and then capping that breath off. So it's a, and then, and then, and you yeah. breathe it out and you do that for five minutes. That's a, a really great practice. I actually have that practice on my app. So where to begin? Well, there's an adage in mindfulness, begin where your feet are at. So begin with the smallest amount you can do to set yourself up for success. So where I got my teacher training, that program is a 45 minute practice a day. So you're meditating for 45 minutes. And let's be honest, most people nowadays, if you're a parent or you have a gig or what have you, you don't have 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. So what I've done with my approach is break it down into bite-sized pieces. So I'm a big fan of one minute, two minute, three minute practices, five minute practices. If you have more time, there are other practices you can do, but I like to start really small. And so that small step that you can do consistently over time, that's how we develop a habit. All the people who've written books about habit formation will all say this, start small, make it repeatable, and then make it a way of living. And then then we lengthen it out. So maybe it's like two minutes and maybe it's three minutes. And then one day it's five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, 20 years from now, it could be 45 minutes, but I believe if 8 billion of us on this big blue marble that we all share could take a minute to pause, breathe, reflect during the course of the day at any time, we would have a more peaceful planet, mm-hmm. which is just one minute to start there and then build on it. So you might do a couple of them throughout the day. Uh, and then you just continue doing it. So then it becomes, hey, this is just what I do. I pause, breathe, reflect every day. It's like gra- grabbing some water. It's doing what have you. And that's that's the goal, weaving it through your day so it becomes a way of living. I don't know if, um, well, you could probably see this is right oh, by yeah, my desk, a little cool. Zen bowl yeah. that I did. And I don't know if it's audible no, I can't. Whoop, I, I can't. <laughs> so it just fell I, off. But um, I, 
but that's a great sound and that's a good thing to do during the course of the day it's a good break so one of those things that i i do for my breath work i'll play the sound of the of the bowl and then i'll hit it and my wife will also she'll know that like oh he's he's doing a breath work practice or he's gonna be relaxing meditating or or something i almost i use it as a kind of a verbal cue to kind of put me into that zen mode um this is this has been fantastic and i know i need to do a better job at my mindfulness and working at it for anybody that might be in the same boat wanting to improve their practice uh, maybe learn more how can folks connect with you reach you get the app the pause breed reflect app and uh what are all the links to go to oh well thanks ted again thanks for having me on i love the work that you're doing really like i think us guys are at a fragile point in history. Um, yeah. We're also at an inflection point to step into maybe a new definition of what it means to be a man. And we can be strong and we can also connect with contemplative practices like gratitude and mindfulness. So to get the app, the best place to go is go to your local app store on your handy phone. Uh, so the Apple app store or Google play, you can download it for free and try it out. Plenty of practices on the app. Plus I do a live practice Monday through Fridays because some people love to practice in the community and for everything else, people can find me at Michael O'Brien shift.com. Uh, if you go there, you'll learn a little bit more about my story a little bit further and about what I do from a business perspective and then there's also links to all the different platforms that people tell you you need to be on but i i just love you know connecting with like-hearted people looking to put some goodness into the world and also also looking to get stuff done so i'm a big believer like let's get some stuff done but let's work on how we're getting this stuff done yeah yeah and that that's that's the key. I don't want us to be all frenetic or, you know, in a reactionary state. So let's have some flow and get a lot of the cool things that we get to do done. And so I always love talking to people like that. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And I'll have those links in the show notes below. And uh, I just envision kind of when you're watching the basketball game and and the point guards putting the hand out, like pumping it back and forth, like, hey, slow down, slow down. Like we got to slow down the game and, and come at this with a strategic approach in order to score. So I'll be sure to have those links in the show notes so more folks can learn how to slow down. Um, and, and the last question, I, I save it for the end. It's usually the heaviest one. So if you need a second to reflect on on that answer, I I have all, all day, but what is something that you've seen or something that's happened to you that shapes the way you view the world as a man? Mm. I was waiting for this question. So <laughs> I really think that I've been able to, in my travels, get connected with men that have range. So growing up, you know, my dad, my dad's a great guy and he's 87. So you spoke about your dad, but he wouldn't want to talk about anything hard. You know, we'd never talk about anything difficult, uh, anything that really had any type of emotion. And so he's really kind. He's 
so funny. He's got so many wonderful qualities, but it was limited. There wasn't range. And so when I became a professional and I also got into the work of mindfulness, I met other men that had um, greater range. And then that helped me open up my awareness of what, what I could be as a man that you can still hold your man card and also be connected with things that might be back in the day considered a bit more spiritual or wooey and and still be like a strong athlete and a provider and a protector and all that jazz and still be empathetic and compassionate and kind and loving and so the men i've met along the way in my travels who have range range in the different emotions that they feel and their openness, they have role modeled what I hope to grow into as I get older and, yeah. and hopefully help other men step into that, that way of being a man as we go forward. That's fantastic. I, I love that. And it's something I'm working on myself. Listen, I was at the gym earlier today, pushing 260 off my chest and right after washing my face with the, an excellent skincare routine that my wife <laughs> is envious of. So I try and put that range in my life as well, Michael. Definitely a uh, gr great insight to share. So thank you for that, brother. Yeah, you're welcome. And again, thanks for having me on. My pleasure. And I know the audience enjoyed it as well. Thank you for making it to the end to the audience. And uh, I'm going to share some tips Michael shared along the way because so many good gems were left. And I know a lot of folks are either uh, maybe working out while listening, or maybe they're on the bike. Hey, make sure you keep your eyes on the road and be safe out there. Watch out for any Fords. We don't like Fords. Um, but identity shattered. For some of us, let's be honest, for most of us, we're moving life too fast. And when the thing that we lean into the most, whether it be the sport you play as an athlete, the title you have as an executive, that job you do, or what everyone gives you praise for, when that's taken away or when that's stopped for a moment and you have to slow down, what is the reality of who you are without it? And for a lot of us, we don't contemplate that question because we're living life too fast. As Michael would say, living life in a reactional way. Everything is neutral until you label it. I've told the parable of the the son of the the horse uh, trainer, and the the horse gets away. The horse comes back with horses, and all along the way, the father says, "I can't place it. I don't know if it's good or bad." And for a lot of us, that's the reality of our lives. Changing our relationship with stress, leaning into gratitude, practicing gratitude. Our minds are wired to identify threats and negativities around us. We need to intentionally program the positive to balance the scale and also understand like waking up in the morning, the positives far outweigh the negatives. So that one positive is, is all you need to balance the scale and then some. Top athletes practicing mindful meditation, you probably see it every single day. Any given Sunday, you're seeing mindful meditation in action. You just don't see what happens behind the curtains, the PBR breaks, the action that's taken through the reflection. So next time you feel like life is moving a little bit too fast, maybe open up your phone, look for the app, look around, find five minutes, pause, breathe, and reflect. Michael, thank you so much. 
appreciate you, brother. Thank you to the audience. I'm going to ask that you like, share, hit subscribe, all that jazz, because the algorithm loves it when you do that. And that's what allows us to keep this content coming to you. And the best compliment you can give us is by telling a friend about this show and leave us a rating to let us know how we're doing. Love to take suggestions from the audience. With that being said, guys, thank you for the time. And as always, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain. But you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's grow. Let's get past the day.